Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on! From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What is going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty here on a Thursday morning for your Thursday delivery. It's September 8th, just a couple days ahead of UFC 279, which is on Saturday, September 10th. Goes and I will be hosting a watch-along on Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. You guys know all the deets as usual. Been doing this for about three years. It's a blast. Can't wait to do it again. Hopefully you join us. I'm sure we'll give you a few more reminders via social media and on this show later on in the show. On this show, we're going to discuss the latest news in mixed martial arts, mostly pertaining to UFC 279, and of course, do a final rundown of UFC 279, what to expect, especially in those big, big fights at the top. So buckle up, it's MMA Junkie Radio on a Thursday morning, September 8th. folks so this has been a fun week but a hectic week when they you know fight weeks are busy no matter what but when they come to vegas it's really really like uh you know lots of moving parts lots of things going on especially goes in the midst of dana white contender series like there's like that extra event you know that occupies the space here in town and uh I'm kind of drained and I'm glad kind of things are winding down a little bit where I can enjoy tomorrow's weigh-ins and uh, basically, you know, get ready for Saturday night. And I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, like, okay, I'm organizing a survivor pool in the NFL. My high school football team had a big game. That's two weeks in a row they had a big game. USC kicked off, you know, uh, NFL, we're getting ready and fight week, Dana White contender series. Remember I told you, man, in the fall, it's crazy. It's like MMA mm-hmm. never will take a back seat. It's my job. I will cover it as best as I can. But at the same time, I have other things that I love, you know, that occupy time. I haven't even mentioned Manchester United. How crazy is their schedule? Melgar, the team that we were, when we were growing up, you know, our family in Peru, cheered for they went far in a tournament in south america so it has been nuts and then throw in 110 degree heat i don't know about you man but i'm burnt dude i am physically and mentally exhausted however this morning i did wake up with a lot of energy yeah um, because we just there's so much going on guys like we have these like independent projects that we're working on that all have have deadlines that are kind of close together on top of that our birthdays and then uh and then my personal life by the way yeah a little call to arms i know throughout the years when we bring things up on the show the the fan base is so big that some of you guys are just you know we've gotten medical advice we've gotten car advice all kinds of things i'm trying to find a fucking car and you have no idea how frustrating it is and how difficult it is to buy a car this day and age. So if there are any car salesmen out there that can give me tips on what I'm trying to do, it's been such a kick in the balls. I've taken a lot of losses lately, okay, with my health and all these stupid things that keep coming up. And really all I want to do is get this one win before my birthday. So if you guys can help me to buy a car, if somebody can reach out and give me some tips, I would totally appreciate that. But uh, this morning, so yeah, on top of that, guys, our watch-alongs that we normally do, we kind of changed, like, flipped that thing upside down, and I think it's going to work. 
So this this watch along that you guys are going to see this weekend is going to be way different and so much fun, I think. But they're all great things, you know, they're all things that are going to give our show a, a bigger result, our our work on MMA Junkie bigger results. But it's all coming down at us at one time, so we're just exhausted. And like George said, everywhere you go is just so hot. Uh, when we're in the gyms, you know, we're sweating more than the fighters, I think, sometimes. That's what it is, yeah. I was yeah. going to say, Sticky Paws, even though it's got that name, you know, the studio, those have been fun visits, air-conditioned, you know, we're just answering questions, doing test runs, this, that, whatever, forwarding, passing emails along, technical talk that I just drives me nuts because I don't know it. Um, but between that, and then I forgot about, that's right, it was Monday that we went to two different dealerships, both of them far in mm-hmm. the in the hottest part of the day and, um, you know, and, and long distance. So they're not, not only are they not close from our house, but they're also far from each other, but we just buckled down and did it. But what I forgot goes is those trips to extreme, I must lose like five pounds, dude. I yeah. can smelly, sweaty, sticky. You know, um, but it's like you have no time to go refresh and take another shower. You just got to kind of do it. Because once you get home and you you plop on that couch or the bed in the AC, it's like, oh, no one's getting me out of here, you know. And then I've had a couple yogi walks as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, man, just it's it just, just kind of getting pulled in a lot of directions. They, they add, so in the gyms, remember, there's times where they make it hot to uh, – to give those fighters that type of experience. So we are burning up in there. And then like George said, the other day we went to go look for a car. We're going in there all sweaty and muggy, sticky nuts, just sitting there getting agitated. Cause you know, that process sucks. So, um, what do you want your monthly payment to be? What uh, are your goals here? If I can get you this, will you take the car today? Shut up. Just give me the best deal. Go back and talk to your, your dumb manager and just come out with your, with your best deal. And then they come out and they go, you know, this much. And then you're like, eh, I don't know. Okay. Well, what if I go back there? Well, you should have went back there the first time. Mm-hmm. The first time you should have went back there and said, these two are some gangsters from Santa Ana, California. They're not here to fuck around. Think of us as we're robbing you. All right. So give us the best deal of how you're going to get out of the jam. And that's it. Enough of this back and forth, back and forth. Like I always tell them, I look them in the eye and go, you can't tell someone by someone's appearance. I got gray all over me. You can't tell that I've probably bought 10 cars in my lifetime, that I kind of know what I'm doing. I'm trying to give you hints, talking about let's start with the MSRP. Oh, man, this whole market value that thing, dude. I, you want to grab someone and just throw them through the window like Axel Foley and Beverly Hills oh. one and say, give me the next salesman, someone that, wants to, someone that wants to dance. And I think I'd have a good excuse because on top of all this, I am on some nasty medication and I'm just a moody fuck. You got to remember, in my mind, I had this vision of going on a trip for my birthday and just enjoying a new car with a new nice roof because it's a nice uh, drive where I'm going. And man, it just got squashed and like I'm, I'm not even looking forward to it anymore. So I've been moody as shit. And like George said, uh, you know, there's just so much going on. But this morning, I had a couple good conversations with people, and and you know, listeners of the show. Obviously, you guys go on MMA Junkie, and some fun stuffs happen. You know, the other day we were at the airport. On top of everything that we told you guys, yeah, right? Chipotle, they tried to poison us, and then we went to an airport for like two hours, and we ran into Hamzat Shemayev. So there've been good some good things. Uh, but we're on that home stretch, man. And if we can get like a Manchester United win today and a couple things that we're working on uh, come through, then and with the, the watch along with what we're trying to pull off there, uh, I guess, you know, at the end, it's all worth it. And, and when we look through the history of our show, we don't really remember, like, remember how tired we were? We just remember how great experiences are. So if we can pull off some of these things, then it's just kind of all worth it. But that's our soft story. Yeah, I think what makes it all, all of it's been manageable, but I think what's really the worst is just being sticky and sweaty everywhere. Like, we've had, so this is what we call dry heat, but because of these monsoons that are kind of happening all over the world, but when they happen in the desert and you get a little bit of humidity, 
it's basically what what it is in every other town. Every other town, when it's 90 and humid or 80 and humid, it's like what it is to us, except 110. So we're just kind of burning to a crisp, and you all are kind of you're you're burning, but you're also profusely sweating. It's like I don't know, I don't know how to describe it. They both suck, but they both have their limits. But then when you throw in 110 and humidity, come on, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, and then each time you know you're trying to put on your best face forward, do the job, do what you need to do. Plus, here's another thing. I love the MMA fighters. They're, they're, I love those athletes, man. I love covering them. No complaints. And this is nothing against them because I'm the exact same, probably worse. But when you go to an, uh, a gym, you get at least 10 NBA hugs, about 20 fist bumps. Of those 20, 10 of them miss, so your, so your forearms graze the other guy's forearms. You get a bunch of handshakes, pats on the back. So not only are you carrying your own sweat, I have to take another shirt. You're carrying the other fighter's sweat. And they're just saying hello. They're being friendly or whatever, too. But just bumping into people and things like that. Um, we douse ourselves, man, on the way out with the uh, <laughs> the antibacterial. Antibacterial, yeah, because it's, it's pretty bad. You know, now it wouldn't be so bad if I was in there working with them. I, I expect it. No big deal. Mm-hmm. But when you're just got out of the shower, feeling pretty good, AC all the way, and then all of a sudden that starts, you're like, oh, man. But anyway, enough of that. Um, let's get back on point. Uh, first of all, you know, thank you to everybody that shares and retweets and stuff. We're putting up all kinds of embedded, all kinds of reminders for the watch along. But one thing that was cool was we ran into Jake Shields. And Jake Shields was telling us about a run-in he had with him and Paulo Costa with Kamzat Shemaev and their team. And I'm sure a lot of you guys have seen it by now. I know Paulo Costa kind of posted links to it. They never really touched each other, per se. They were kind of yelling at each other between a um, fence. And I don't think anything could be allowed to happen, especially from Hamza's side, because he's fighting. Jake's basically retired. Paulo just fought, and he's got a broken hand. But still, either way, man, he's killing machines. Once they get into the red, sometimes you can't stop them. You know what I mean? But Jake wasn't playing around. Like, he he really – I thought when he first said it, it was maybe, like, more uh, – maybe more generic or whatever. But, no, man, you could tell, like, Jake and Paulo kind of come around the fence almost as if to say, hey, we ain't backing down. What's up? What's going on here, you know? and not, So I, I thought that was a pretty interesting way to start the week off. Yeah, it was – it was uh... – Definitely interesting. You're right. I don't think anything would have happened because, I mean, unless that's the dumbest team on the planet, I could see a fighter getting a hot head and doing something stupid. But there were so many people around him that of those 12 people, uh, somebody probably would have said, look, he's got to fight. This is dumb. And uh, I was just surprised. that I would have thought there would have been like more PI staff or something, mm. uh, at least in the vicinity. You know, hey, what's going on? Or it just seemed like they were all alone there, but. Um, you know, the PI, for, the PI for as big as it is, it's just hard to keep fighters away from, from each other. I'm sure they do very good with scheduling and all that, but there's just so many beefs you don't know about uh, that come to fruition. But, uh, you know, in the end, it was entertaining, but nothing nothing happened, and that's the good thing. Hamzat's team looked like about eight or ten. Jake and Paulo were two. Think about the experience security you need to have if something really really breaks out two guys ain't going to be able to get it done two guys mm-hmm. can stop two guys from possibly fighting but those those fighters are going to buzz saw through them eventually too if it's really 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 bad but you know even the trainers even the muay thai coaches even the other guys that aren't in camp you know those are experienced fighters man it so I don't know what they need to do. I don't know how much they need to beef up their security staff. I'm sure this doesn't happen too often, but I would say on fight week, maybe you bring in a few extra people, you know, to to uh, just make sure a fight doesn't get ruined. Because like I say, the only one that really, really would have got hurt the worst is Hamzat, maybe physically, if the other guy's got the piece of him. Uh, but worst of all, you know, being injured and, and not being able to fight, that hurts everybody. Imagine how pissed the UFC would be, too. Oh, Dana White kind of blew it off like boys will be boys, but it's easier to do. It's easier to say that when it already happened and nothing happened. But 
something could happen one day, you know? And if it does, like I say, the whole show could be ruined. So maybe on five weeks, that should be, you know, something that they amp up a little bit. It's a top-heavy card, too. So if something were to happen to that, I would just devastate that card. I'm not really sure where ticket sales are. As far as buzz go, all I could tell you is we were kind of out and about a few of these days, and you do see billboards. It is plastered all over the airport. Um, but I don't know that it has the buzz of previous cards, and that might be because of the return of NFL, right? College football is in full swing, maybe. But uh, I think these are the, the pivotal days, you know, when they actually start talking to each other, and talking a little smack. You get to see them in front of each other. Maybe that might uh, add a little adrenaline to everything that's going on. But right now, I could tell you it just kind of feels like a like a normal fight week, but nothing out of this world. Yeah, and Hamzat's kind of labeled as a hothead. You know, he says he's a gangster. He's out to kill other gangsters. We ran into him at the airport, and he was actually pretty nice. Um, he didn't really want to do an official interview type, I guess. Um, that's not what he was there for. He was there to pick up, or he was there to run in an ATS. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. He was. He said that, but he was there to uh, pick somebody up, you know, and... But it, I think he realized he had the time, and we said it would be quick, so we were able to catch up with him. Um, but as far as what I – like, I think there's other fighters that I've approached that have that gangster label that just look a little bit more unapproachable, approachable, you know. Um, but he he looks like he probably just turns it on for fight week when the camera's on, but out and about, he seemed like a guy like if, if we wanted to, we probably could have chatted with him for 10 minutes because he had – he had free time. He was just by himself. Mm-hmm. He did get approached here and there by people. But I think uh, for being in the main event of, you know, in the fight capital of the world, to be able to sit at a Starbucks and have nobody bother you, uh, I think that maybe points a little bit to where he's at in his progression. Obviously, a Conor McGregor couldn't do that. Now, I don't even know if a Dustin Poirier could sit there for that long or a Jorge Masvidal. Uh, so he's still a little under the radar. But this could be the fight. You know, think about how many people tune in for – ideas this could be the one that kind of really puts Hamzat over yeah we were by the baggage uh baggage claim area and each one of those has like one of those digital boards that promotes stuff happening you know in all of sin city djs steakhouses cirque shows whatever but i would say maybe every two minutes Hamzat's face along with Nate Diaz would show and they were promoting ufc 279 so that was pretty cool to see, you know, our sport kind of having that sort of a presence. And, yeah, he did get recognized by a few. But, you know, MMA is still a niche sport for others. And if you're looking for one of those situations where someone gets swarmed, it, it still has to be like the Jordans, the Bradys, the, you know, whoever else is of the world. Because... um you know, maybe a Canelo, I suppose, or a Floyd, but um, MMA fighters, it takes a while to get to that point, to get to where McGregor is. You know, the other day, was his name Mark Stone? Was at a Trader Joe's here in Summerlin? And yeah. you know, Juliet didn't even recognize him. She's been to a few games. I probably wouldn't have recognized him, to be honest. I would have either. Yeah, and, you know, I've Mike Trout's one of the greatest baseball players ever, and he's been at least a decade with the with the Angels in Southern California. But I may not recognize him because I only see him with a hat, you know, when he's playing ball. But if I were to maybe just walk by him, and especially if he's wearing glasses or a hoodie or something, I may not even recognize him. So sometimes I think we all have these phones now that occupy us that we're looking down at all the time. And our minds are moving. You know, you're, you're looking for that person that's supposed to walk by. You're looking at the phone. You're distracted by all these digital boards that, who knows how many famous people can just walk by you and you may not notice. True. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if the angels were arriving, then I'd probably be able to, okay, you know, where's Otani and that, you know, Trout or whoever. Same thing with the Dodgers. I know I would recognize Clayton Kershaw and a few, a few guys, but when your mind's on something else, I think you're just programmed. Okay. Once again, getting off topic here, but so during the week, like I say, it's been fun. A lot of the pre-fight interviews have been done. They're all available on MMA Junkie. Same place you can catch Spinning Back Click, youtube.com forward slash MMA Junkie Video. They're there in their entirety. 
They caught up with Nate Diaz, Hamzat Shemaev, D-Rod, Kevin Holland, Tony Ferguson, uh, and uh, the Leech. Because to me, the Leech has been the star of the week. Just to me personally, I don't know him very well. And I feel like I've gotten to know him, especially through Embedded. And even though he speaks very little English, I find him charming. Like, I'm kind of almost rooting for him. And I've been a Tony Ferg mark for a long time. But I guess I'm rooting for him to just have a good performance. Of course, I want Tony to win. I just don't want the other guy to get steamrolled like he did against Hamzat. But he just seems so likable. I don't know what it is because I don't know that it translates over into other languages and other countries the way it does for us. But for us, and maybe it's just me and you, George, but when there's a foreigner that doesn't really speak the language too well, but is funny and tries to kind of make you laugh, I gravitate to that guy. And I don't know that if, if we go to, say, uh, fuck, I don't know, Germany or something like that, if they would think we would be funny or if they would find us annoying. But for us, when people try and do that, or like soccer players sometimes, that they, they can't say something, but they'll like goof around with their teammates. Like that to me is funny. And that this guy's just been kind of saying funny shit. And, and uh, yeah, it, it instantly makes you a fan. And on top of that, he's got a cool fucking nickname, the leech. That's funny. I was dying when they were showing him as a chef. And then in one of those, I guess he had a hot plate. He goes, ooh, ooh, hot, hot. <laughs> and he barely made it to the table. And then he looked at his hands. Can you imagine if he burned his hands so bad that he wouldn't be able to compete? But, <laughs> yeah, man, he was, he was just funny. I felt terrible that Hamza Shemaev met him at, I think it was in the first Embedded, and the leech was trying to tell him, hey, all respect, even though we fought, I still respect you. I consider you a friend now. If you're ever in China, my door's open. And Hamza was just kind of like, yeah, 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 okay, cool. Kind of didn't make too big of a deal about it. And then either that same episode or another one, he actually said that fight was easy. <laughs> oh, my God. The other guy couldn't have been any nicer, and you're totally dismissive. Yeah. But I'm sure he didn't know that they were going to have that other private moment. But um, I don't know. I don't know where I'm at with Hamzat. I find him interesting. Um but I can't tell if he's a jerk or shy or cool or what, you know, mm -hmm. in that regard. Um, all right. So, yeah, what's going on today? Today's Thursday. They're going to have that public press conference. That should be fun. Another Dana White contender series happened. How many contracts did they give out this week? Do you know? I want to say four. Three or four. Yeah. I know the first girl didn't get it, and then I thought they wrapped I thought they went three straight, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't keep up too much with this week. And, um, but I think they only have three weeks left. Um, another thing that was talked about, wait, that night they didn't release it. The next night they did, but somebody had asked him about Poirier and Chandler, and he goes, oh, we're working on it. And Dustin Poirier and Michael Chandler are signed to fight in New York at UFC 281. So remember I had told you they have the two title fights, but they could still use a little bit more pop. Mm -hmm. That's some pop there. <laughs> totally. Doesn't get any better than those two. I mean, that's going to be yeah. a great fight. And it's kind of a little bit of a grudge match too. Yeah, it kind of has developed into that, right? And it's all just from very simple comments that have just kind of, I mean, when you think about how long ago that was, in our sport, everything goes by so quickly. But yeah, a little bit of heat. Um, very similar fighters as far as like their statures, what they've done in their careers. It, it's a good one, man. Dude, I, I don't get Poirier. I used to really like this guy. But the level of anger he had towards Chandler at that fight night, Chandler said he was just walking by. You know, and granted, they've been dismissive of each other. Poirier didn't want to fight Chandler because he didn't feel like he had earned his his stripes in the UFC, then Chandler didn't want to fight Poirier because he felt like, well, you you had your chance, you dissed me, I'm dissing you back. Now I'm the toast of the town because of the Ferguson kick. So a little bit of payback there. But I'm thinking, considering all the things McGregor said about his wife, and Chandler's kind of like the nicest guy on the planet, to, to be honest with you, how's he so bitter towards Chandler but towards Connor was like, oh, pre-fight buildup? Yeah, that doesn't really make much sense. I mean, that what Connor did is just, poof. There are things that are low, but he somehow sunk even below that, dude. That was, that was like, like Tony Montana shit at the end, man. 
So I didn't really get that at all. Yeah. Me neither. I'm just glad the fight's made, and I guess they can decide it or whatever. Here's another story that was pretty interesting, or at least I found it interesting. So UFC 278 was in Salt Lake City, Utah. And Utah apparently is one of the states that their athletic commission does release or disclose the earnings that were made from that night. So MMA Junkie has their hands on the salaries that were paid for UFC 278. And here they are. Kamara Usman pocketed 500 grand. And that was probably his base money to defend the title. Plus he would have been getting a cut of the pay-per-views. So let's say they sold a million pay-per-views. I'm not saying they did, and I doubt they did, but it's an easy number to round up. Let's say he sold a million pay-per-views and got paid a, mi- a dollar from every pay-per-view. Each pay-per-view cost 75 bucks. Let's just say they gave him a dollar per pay-per-view. Well, that's a million dollars. Plus his 500000 that's $1.5 Let's say he gets $2 per pay-per-view, and he got a million pay-per-views. Then uh, that would be $2 million. Plus the $500,000, $2.5 dollars but more than likely, he didn't get a million. Let's just say he got 500,000 of those sold. So now that $1 per pay-per-view would be 500,000 in pay-per-view money. Now, what I think is that Kamar Usman, with every title defense, probably sneaks in there an extra 50 cents or 50, you know, extra dollar. And if he reaches certain goals, he gets paid, you know, $5 per pay-per-view or whatever. So if I had to guess, Usman strikes me as a guy that gets at least two dollars per pay-per-view up until 400 uh, thousand pay-per-views and then maybe every hundred thousand more he gets a dollar more so now you got to really get out the calculator and something you know something of that nature i would be of the opinion that kamaro probably gets about three million a fight so that that would just be my guess i don't know that's nice uh, no win bonus or anything like that because uh, he didn't win, but it's pay-per-view money and that. Now, Leon Edwards, on the other hand, he got 350000 to show. No win bonus for him. And I'm not sure if he got a cut of the pay-per-view, to be honest. It all depends on who maybe negotiated that. I know that Jorge Masvidal, when he fought Kamar Usman, he got a cut of the pay-per-view, even though he wasn't a champ. So some guys have been able to negotiate that. Some haven't. Leon Edwards is with Paradigm MMA. Paradigm MMA oversees Conor McGregor's career so they've probably been privy to how contracts can be structured whether they're champ or not champ and maybe they were able to sneak in something for leon hey how about just a dollar for pay-per-view you know maybe he was able to get something who knows but we can't assume and that's why we always write at the bottom hey look this is what's disclosed the rest uh is is, is basically us guessing um paulo costa got one hundred thirty thousand goes for his win now his was a clear 65 and 65 that to me bro i know he hasn't i know he hasn't been fighting much but damn he's a pretty big name i just thought it would be more luke rockhold got two hundred thousand mm-hmm. flat just to show up even though he lost but the other guys like at 65 65 that one threw me off a little he probably hasn't been in a position where he could renegotiate right in Would between weight issues and missing fights you know, usually it's like right before a fight or something. Uh, they they have that opportunity to renegotiate. He probably hasn't had that, but I would imagine this past fight might have been that. You know, obviously that moment where he's going to probably do that. Yeah, yeah. He 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 really hasn't had that that many fights in the UFC, and he hasn't fought very often lately. So that could very well be it. But I think he definitely fought a fight which deserved more than one thirty. You know. Um, Jose Aldo, he got 400000 in his loss to Mirab Devalishvili. Pay attention to this because Jose Aldo defended his title seven times. He had a nice title reign. He gets paid 400000 for the loss, show up money, so no win bonus or nothing like that. It's probably just flat 400000 I imagine Kamaru Usman could possibly get that number when he's the challenger against... Um, Leon Edwards, because he's not in a position where he's the champ. He may not get a cut of the pay-per-view. I would would imagine he'd say, the UFC is going to say, well, we're not going to pay you five because you're not champ. And he would probably say, well, then you got to pay me at least four because I'm a former champ with five title defenses. 
So I'm kind of in that same stratosphere as a Jose Aldo. I will not take anything less than that. And who knows? Maybe even Jose Aldo gets a cut of pay-per-views. Maybe that's something he's been able to negotiate. I don't know. That's where some managers are very savvy. Others have just dropped the ball. Who knows? But um, Marab Davalashvili, he got 198000 And he got his, I believe, via win bonus and show money. I want to confirm that, and I'll tell you it, why in a second. It's still early for Marab, but I'm telling you guys, I've been around him. He's actually kind of a funny cat. He's a fun fighter. Uh, he's getting a little better with his hands. His cardio is great. His wrestling is great. I, I think that guy could maybe break out in 2023. Oh, yeah. He got 99 to show and 99 to win goes. He's probably had more fights than Paulo Costa, but Paulo Costa is a heavier fighter. Mm -hmm. UFC usually pays the heavier fighters a little bit more. That's why the Costa 130 jumped out at me when Marab Davalashvili is getting 198 and Costa's getting 130. Okay, Davalashvili's fought more times, but I don't think he sells tickets yet, whereas Costa sells tickets. That doesn't bother you one bit that it's 99? Like, who the fuck negotiated that? Yeah. Well, at some point, don't you go, just give me the 100. Found it. Right. Already. Exactly. Um, and then how about this one? Marcin Tabora got 240000 120 to show and 120 to win. Why is he getting more than Paulo Costa? I don't know. I, again, I know. I guess he's fought more. Yeah, but just because he fought more, that's not the only part of the equation. Costa's pretty popular on social media. I mean, Costa did have a couple duds, but I don't know. It's just kind of really, really weird to me. I tuned in because of Usman and Edwards and Rockhold and Costa. I kept saying if they lose Rockhold and Costa, oh, man, so much is reliant on this main event that, you know, I, I guess we're going to power through it. Either way, we got to do it. But, you know, it's it's super, super top-heavy. Yeah. I don't know. Paulo Costa, I hope you get yours the next time. So that article contains all the salaries. I'm not going to go over all of them, but those were at least some of the top names there. Uh, if you want to check it out, it's on the front page of MMA Junkie. I I've been looking forward to the thrill and the agony. I don't know when that's going to get released. That's been one of my favorite segments that they've come out of, and it shows you the immediate um, footage of both sides of the top fights that night. And of course, you're super happy for the fighters that win and their families and how their life is changing. Jason House losing his mind when Brandon Marino won. You know, that was really, really cool. And then on the losing side, you know, a lot of the coaches that have been there before, you can just tell like a Trevor Whitman's probably like, damn, you know, that sucks because I, I love Camaro. I want him to stay champ. But he's been through it before. But then some of the other ones, you can just tell all the work it took to get there. And now we got to rebuild. Yeah, I'm torn on those. You're right. There are moments that I love, and there are moments that I just cringe and feel so bad and awkward. Um, I don't mind like when they when they flash the camera on family members. You know, when somebody's been knocked out and they're they're just like this. Like I kind of get that. The ones that really get me, man, are behind the curtains when they're going behind the curtain and they're crying or kicking stuff, or because I feel like. So much of professional athletes' careers are on display for everyone to see on TV that I just feel like they deserve two, five minutes to do whatever they need to do in private and then, you know, go after them. It just sucks. I mean, I can't imagine my worst moment in my life being televised for the world to see. And on top of that, I got to let you see how I react to it. Like, that part's brutal to me, but it, it's part of the fight game, and that's why they make – Way more money than I do. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess you actually worded it perfectly. I think Jose Aldo was the one that stood out the most to me when he lost to Conor McGregor. He was mm -hmm. by himself crying for about 10 minutes, and they were on him for practically the entire time. You know, maybe if you caught it, get your three seconds, move on or whatever, we get it. But um, they did tone it down since that one. But, I, you know, I'm okay with it. You know, there's going to be some good. There's going to be some bad. This will be the first time we see, I guess, Usman's parents, you know, 
suffer a loss with their son in, in the UFC. This is the first time Kamaru Usman's even lost in the UFC. You could see Ali Abdelaziz and Henry Cejudo. There's another camera that's showing them. And they're even, I think, don't, I think Cejudo may have jinxed them. He's, he's saying, easy money, easy money. And I think I even hear Ali say, don't say that. You know, kind of like, let's let the fight end. But they were cruising. I'm sure they stopped somewhere and bet on them. It's, it's legal to bet, no problem. Legal to bet on your guy. And um, so they're probably thinking, yep, yep, we're on our way. And then all of a sudden he gets clipped. And you see Ali just drop his head. He kind of is out of the uh, picture of the camera. And I don't know if you've seen it, but you could just tell, man, he's probably devastated for his guy. And um, so, yeah, that's why they call it the thrill and the agony. But I haven't seen this one. Have you, the latest one? No. I haven't seen a drop. Yeah, me neither. Uh, all right. So what did you think of two two guys real quick on the pre-fight stuff? What did you think of Tony Ferguson's attitude? He had the Jackson Wink um, hat on. That's where he went and did part of his camp. It's kind of like a rebirth. Welterweight. Sounds like he wants to stay, but he didn't close the door on 155. He goes in there with his little rhyming stuff, his sayings. But I, I, all I can think of is, 55 hasn't been good to you lately. And I'll give you this, Tony. You fought some killers. So no shame in that. You were doing well against Chandler early before getting caught. But now you're moving up 15 pounds, bro. Like, late notice. Like, oh, I don't know if this one's going to go good for him. Yeah, everything, the statistics kind of lean towards this will not be a good night. But in watching his demeanor, I liked a, a few things about him. He just seems like he's in a little bit of a better space, a little better place. Uh, his attitude was a little better with the media. Uh, he was cracking jokes. Maybe that's just what he needed, man. Maybe that, maybe he just needed to kind of relax a little bit or something. But he seems happier. And we all know, like, obviously our jobs aren't anywhere near theirs. But when you're in a good mood, you your day goes better the way you work, the things that you do. Your product is better. So – Maybe just uh, him being in a better place will, will help him a little bit. But like George said, that Chandler fight, he wasn't doing bad. You know, so uh, we'll have to see. But 15 pounds is a lot, dude. I know. He says he's the boat, the best of all time, not the goat, which is the greatest of all time. And I'm thinking that's kind of a waste of time. It's the same thing. <laughs> but he that's just the way he floats. I don't know. He's in this whole little rhyming thing. It's. Sometimes I just want to get a serious answer from him, you know, not like a bunch of proverbs and sayings and, mm -hmm. you know, word associations. and Just give me an answer, kid. You know, like you're Tony Ferguson. You won 12 in a row. You're the ultimate fighter champion. You know, you were an interim champion. You hold a legit belt. Just talk to us, you know, like don't give us all the Muhammad Ali stuff every single time. Yeah. That's all I ask. That, even that joke, there's two muffins and one guy says, the one muffin says, did you see that? I didn't see that part. One muffin says something and the other muffin goes, holy shit, a muffin that can talk. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, you, you're a muffin and you can talk. Why should you be shocked that the other muffin talked? The joke, he must not have told it right. I think what he was supposed to say was, holy shit, another muffin that can talk. But if you're a muffin that's talking, why should it shock you that the other muffin talked? I don't know, some corny joke he told on his bed too. Yeah. I need to talk to some of the, I think when I retire from radio, I'm going to write scripts for fighters and say, say this. Mm -hmm. Just say this after your fight. Say this on pre-fight. I, I can't give you any advice on wardrobe because I'm a terrible dresser, but I'll give you some stuff that makes sense, and I'll cover all your bases. How about Nate Diaz? Nate Diaz, <laughs> he's, he's also on another planet, man. But I love him because all, making no sense is almost a Diaz thing. But, like... He's the biggest star of all time, and um, he's won every fight. He hasn't really lost every fight. Like, I, I guess if you want to convince yourself, cool, you know, but I don't know. You can't do all that and then say, I keep it real. I think with Nate Diaz, you got to think about this, right? Look at the people that surround him. I mean, do you really see people going – Hey, Nate, that was kind of dumb. Don't say that. Like, I have to imagine everybody just lives off of every word he says and wants to be around the guy. And after a while, man, you just kind of get used to that environment. Like, if nobody's checking you and telling you, 
what you're saying is ridiculous, you just forget and you just start saying ridiculous shit. None of that made any sense to me. But what I will say about him is strategy wise, I, I do uh I do believe he's gonna try and exit the UFC without burning bridges. And I think that's a good thing. That can only be a good thing for him. Because Dana White on the other side is also doing the same thing, right? If he leaves, well, hey, it's been a fun ride. The guy's done, you know. So it seems like he can do a little bit of a split and maybe do whatever it is he needs to do and possibly maybe one day come back or who knows. But um, I have to give him those props because I know I know those guys can be hotheads sometimes and, and he could tell you exactly what he thinks and that probably wouldn't go well. Yeah, and then how about the part where he was saying he wanted all of his team, if he was going to re-sign, all of his team needed to get in the UFC as well. Did you hear that part? Yeah. Um I mean, again, that's just kind of unrealistic, right? It is. But here's what happened. So, you know, he calls himself a Nick Diaz soldier. I think he follows a lot in, like, the path that Nick has has created. Mm -hmm. And um, Nick, when he came back, I guarantee you that he said, I will resign if you also sign my guy, Martin Sano. Martin Sano is that dude that's always with Nick Diaz, especially when he's in Vegas. Seems like a cool cat. Seen him fight at Bellator, World Series of Fighting, Legacy. But he's young in the game in terms of he hasn't had many fights. He's like 30 or something like that. He was only 4-2, and two, but he was coming off a couple losses. Usually when you're coming off a couple losses, you don't get into the UFC. But he managed to get in there against Matt Semmelsberger. And he lost. He lost really quick in the first round. I think Nate saw that and said, well, I, I'm going to get a few of my guys in there. And, um, you know, Nate said he wanted to get 20 guys in there. That's a bit much. Maybe if you – I bet you could have maybe gotten one. But I think he got a little bit of the playbook from his brother Nick. And that's why he did it. This isn't in any way a slight at Martin Sano. If you can benefit from your friend and your friend goes to bat for you, cool. He wasn't two and four. He was four and two. And things just didn't go his way against the tough UFC guy. Again, nothing against that guy. Don't know him. But I know that he's kind of like Nick Diaz's best friend here in Vegas. And um, But I, I had always wondered how he did that, you know, because – Again, you cover the sport for 15 years, you see a lot. You usually don't see someone coming in off a two-fight losing streak. So, regardless, uh, I think that's where Nate got that from. And I think, uh, you know, he tried to parlay that into 20 dudes or whatever. I just think he was maybe a little bit unrealistic in what he was doing. And that's why it just didn't work out for him. But it sounded like they offered him a lot of money to stay. He doesn't want to stay. The only thing I can think of that's waiting for Nate Diaz is this, Jake Paul. Jake Paul's got Anderson Silva. If Anderson Silva steamrolls Jake Paul, does Jake Paul all of a sudden become less of a star? Maybe. I don't know. But he's a popular YouTube guy. He's got a big social media following. And then you throw Nate Diaz into the equation. That fight might still be big, even if he loses, even if he loses to Anderson Silva. But I thought... He was clearing the deck when he didn't fight Rockman, and I thought he was clearing the deck for Nate Diaz. Um, Nate Diaz might have some other opportunities. I, I don't think anyone in MMA is going to pay him better than, than the UFC, but you know, um, maybe Bellator, maybe Bellator write him a check, maybe bare knuckle. There's something out there for him that we don't know. The only other thing that I can think of, and this is a long shot, is I know McGregor, I think, has two fights left in his contract. If McGregor were to do what Nate Diaz just did, and that's just fight out his fights, and then these two could fight in 18 months or two years, they could probably do it on their own, and they could probably make a ton of money. That's true. You know, that's, I, I, you know, I don't know if, if they would do that or if they have that type of forward thinking. You know, McGregor's on the other side of the world, sometimes getting in some trouble. 
I don't know if his manager Adi Attar might have pulled over, pulled aside Nate's manager and just said, "Hey, just we're gonna do this. You go do that. Let's talk in eighteen months, and then we'll just do our thing." Same thing like KSI and Logan Paul did to kind of kick off the celebrity boxing era that we're in right now. They mm-hmm. did it on their own, and apparently a lot of people tuned in. I think maybe these two guys feel like they could do the same thing. Well, remember one of the most pivotal moments in combat sports history was when Floyd Mayweather just decided to uh, take a chance on himself, right, and start Mayweather promotions and all that, and you see how much money that generated for him. Mm-hmm. When you're a dominant force in, in combat sports, you can do that. And um, and so I think in that situation, if one of them does it, and it's got to be uh, – I mean, obviously Nate's starting his own thing, but I think if Connor could do something like that, yeah, they would stand to make a lot, a lot of money. But I don't know how long that fight can wait, man. I'm really just kind of starting to lose interest on it. And I don't know if I'm uh, weird or if anybody else feels that way, but I'm kind of not giving a shit anymore. Uh, but if they do, that that would be great. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I was surprised that they announced Anderson Silva. I, if I'm Jake Paul, I think I would have waited till this Saturday. If Nate wins, I'm fighting Nate. Right, and if Nate loses, and I'd be yo Spider, what up, kid? You know what I mean, and and now my focus is on him. Not to say that Nate's star power drops; it drops a little, but it doesn't drop a lot. He'll always be a star. Losses don't knock you down. I mean, look at Anderson's last ten fights in the UFC; he's probably like two and eight, but he's still Anderson Silva for crying out loud. You know, once you reach a certain level, you're kind of at that certain level. But well, you know, I, don't I have know. a theory. Yeah. Okay, here's what I think could have happened. I think maybe Jake Paul said, look, if I do this with Nate Diaz, he's probably a little difficult to deal with, and it's probably going to be closer to like a 50-50 split. But if I could tell Anderson, hey, let's do 60-40, but I'll plug you in right now, I think maybe he might have used Nate as leverage a little bit as far as money goes. You never know. You never know. I um, Anderson Silva's with Ed Soares' camp. And Ed Soares and a guy named George, and I forget his last name. He, he's part of Black House Management as well. He's kind of like the Ed Soares, but in Brazil. These two guys have managed a lot of careers. I've never heard anything like, oh, my God, these guys are ruthless. They're the best in the business, but I've also haven't heard they suck. They could have gotten their fighters a lot more money. I haven't heard that from Nate Diaz's side. I've just always heard he's notoriously difficult to deal with. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. Um, I enjoyed both pre-fight interviews, but I still thought they're both a little out there, man. Um, <laughs> and you're right. If you're a hanger on, if you're part of their crew, I guess you just nod your head and roll with what they say, but I think at some point I'd be like, uh, yeah, man, I'm going to bounce here because you guys are on another planet. Like, I don't, I don't you know, mm-hmm. even if it was you goes, if you're telling, if you're telling the world you're the best ever and all that shit and you're Owen five, I mean, at so long, I'm going to lean into you and go settle down, you know, like take it easy. Yeah. Come up with another, let's come up with another angle. At one point I was the best ever, you know, I'm getting older, but I'm still pretty or whatever, you know, but uh, it's, it, we, we can look it all up and you just, I don't know, unless they don't care, unless they don't care that a bunch of people go, you're crazy. You lost your last five. And they look at it as more promotion, which a lot of them do. Maybe they're a step ahead of us. Who knows? But I, I don't know. I just would feel like once the mic is off and I walk out of the room, I'd probably be thinking to myself, like, what are you saying? What, 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 look at the state you're in, you know, that you're saying these things. Which means I'm in another mental state. You know what I mean? I'm creating illusions for myself that one day when I do eventually come down, I'm going to be a lonely motherfucker. Am I right or wrong? Probably, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, who knows? You know, you should be content with the time that you had at the top. And then you just move on. And if you were great at that, you'll probably be great at the next thing you do. You know, and I think a lot of fighters have managed to be able Fighters or, or athletes, you know, have managed to do that. But then there's a lot, man, that just must lead, lead a 
confused life. Uh, uh, you know, I, 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 I don't know. I'm sure Ronda Rousey could care less what I think, but I just wonder what all that bitterness, you know, in her life towards fans and media. I wonder if all that just could have been sorted out if her mindset was just a little bit different, you know? Or even goes, I'm sorry, but right now I'm seeing Connor meltdown, man. And I'm sure a lot of people have been seeing that. I'm not I'm not breaking any news here, but you'll see a couple posts. He's always in great shape. I can't take that away from him. He may be working now, but then boy, he's back on that yacht. He's back partying. That leg is probably a hundred percent. And he just hasn't wanted to snap out of it. He's probably just partying and doing his thing and and um, I think there's going to be a bunch of regret, man, a lot of times. It's one or the other, especially with a combat athlete. Just look at everybody look in the mirror in your regular life. When have you ever been successful in a nine to five where you just go out and party two days, three days, and then try and work, you know, Thursday and Friday or whatever? Like there's going to be bleed over. It's going to bleed over into your professional life. And I just, I just don't know that he could do that. Even the little things, dude, that don't involve like alcohol or drugs or whatever, like just going out to uh, the BMAs or whatever, that's a fucking long sequence of events. What am I going to wear? I got to meet with my tailor. I got to get on the phone. Where are my tickets? I'm sitting next to who? Like, it's so stressful that uh, you wonder why, like, look at some of the people that we call goats in this business, right? Habib Nurmagomedov. GSP, Demetrius Johnson, do they strike you as those guys that were doing those things throughout their careers? No. They focused on their career, and that's how they got so far. Um, but, yeah, dude, I mean, even a guy like Chuck Liddell, you could probably point to, who um great fighter, but he had to taste a little bit of Hollywood as well, like movies mm-hmm. and entourage and stuff like that. I think after a while it just catches up to you. And then you see a guy like um, John Jones, who's been able to stay undefeated, but his personal life has taken a toll. Like, mm-hmm. that's not fair to his kids, his significant other, himself. I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah, fun, fun, me, 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 everything. But I'm telling you, man, it, it, life is so many chapters. So if you're a 20-chapter book or whatever, Sure, chapters three through five might might be the funnest time a human being's ever had on this planet, man. But you're also going to have some chapters that ain't going to go very well. You, you just need to find that balance. I'm starting to sound like Mr. Miyagi. But mm-hmm. anyway, D-Rod versus Kevin Holland. This one got thrown last minute. D-Rod couldn't make 170. Kevin Holland's okay with that. Holland's fought at 85 and 70, so... Again, this goes back to lack of depth on this card, but they got these two guys to get down. Um, D-Rod from L.A. Part of me wants to be on Team D-Rod, but then Kevin Holland has grown on me, and he's grown on Dana White. Dana White was saying they buy each other sneakers, and they get along great. And, you know, remember, this is this is Big Mouth from Season 1 of Dana White Contender Series. He didn't get in. Mm-hmm. He started – okay, when he first started, I really liked him. Then he started to annoy me a little bit because of the way he was fighting. Now he's back again. Now I think he's starting to realize things, and I'm starting to become a fan of his again. However, I like Daniel Rodriguez as well. You know, we have a lot of the same interests. But this is a good fight, and I think it's going to be a fun fight, and it's something that this card needs. I think they're going to have to depend on these types of fights. Mm-hmm. Coleman event has Lee Jingliang versus Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson is moving up to 170 to fight Li Jingliang, who of his 19 wins, he's got 14 finishes, so he's going to come forward, which is what Tony says he always likes. But what scares me goes, this guy's got knockout power, dude. Yeah, he's a tough out, dude. And like I said, that extra 15 pounds, I don't know. I don't know how Tony Ferguson is going to approach this fight. Like, got to remember, he's adding new bells and whistles. It seems like he's doing it every camp via different coaches, training camps, or whatever. I don't. It just feels like it wasn't that long ago that he was in the cage, and I don't know if you can apply those types of things this quickly, uh, but this is a very pivotal fight in, in this dude's career. It's like almost a make or break for him, so we'd have to see what happens, but uh, I don't know. It doesn't look good. Yeah. 
I like Kevin Holland to win and Lee Jing Liang to win those two fights. And then in the main event, we have Hamzat Shemaev, Nate Diaz. I think it's pretty easy. Hamzat Shemaev is really something else, man. His shots are so explosive. His ground and pound is vicious. If you want to stand with him, his actual stand-up is pretty clean. Like, he really knows how to throw a punch. It's got some power behind it. Now he's got experience going 15 rounds because he did with Gilbert Burns. His chin was tested in that fight. Um, Nate Diaz, we could say all those things, you know, BMF, gangster, veteran, whatever. He hasn't fought much in the last three years or so. He hasn't fought in about almost 18 months, 17 months. Yes, yeah, no, he does, he's a cardio guy. Him and his brother, they do these triathlons. Who knows if they, if they still do them or not. Um, he does absorb a lot of damage, something I wish that wasn't the case. But, boy, is that guy a dog. He'll still be there in minute 24, and Leon Edwards almost paid the price. If he takes out Leon Edwards, Leon Edwards doesn't have the chance to fight Kamar Usman, you know. Now, granted, I think it was only really one big punch, but it wobbled Edwards, you know. So can he do that to Hamzat? I don't know. But I just think what we're going to see is a mauling of, of Nate Diaz, man. I just think you're looking at a guy that can fight at middleweight or welterweight, Finding a guy that's fought lightweight and recently welterweight, there's a size difference there. There's a strength difference there. There's a youth difference there. I mean, we can convince ourselves all we want, and I will be rooting for Nate Diaz. Don't get me wrong. I'll be jumping in the air if he wins, but I I just don't see it. Could very well be that uh, exactly how you laid it out, just an absolute mulling. Does he get the finish? I don't know. Um, But... uh, I don't know why, I just feel like Nate Diaz will have a moment in this fight, but I don't know if he'll be able to capitalize. I think he's going to have a Rory McDonald moment. That's what I think he's going to have. I think he's going to get tossed around. Um, His best bet is to play the gangster role and convince Hamza Shemaev to stand with him. And if he does, maybe that pressure, maybe those hands can connect. Mm -hmm. But um, (laughs) I, I... I, I, I get lo- I get pulled into these uh, fights due to my favoritism to some of the old school fighters, and mm-hmm. I always pay the price losing a little bit of money. I'm not gonna fall for it this time. I'm not. I can't bet Hamzad. He's too big of a favorite. But am I just gonna give give away Diaz money? No, probably something small in a parlay. Um, but I'm probably just it'll be money that I guess I can uh, know. I know I will lose, and I'll be happy if I don't. But um, he deserves to be a main event fighter, man. He's a big guy. He's a needle mover and all that. But just it, it should have been Dustin Poirier. That would have been a fun fight to break down. But this one isn't fun to break down. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, all right, folks, we're gonna get on out of here. One more reminder for our UFC watch along. It's called the UFC 279 watch along on Saturday, 10 Eastern, 8 Pacific. Sorry, let me say that again. 10 Eastern, 7 Pacific for the pay per view. 8 Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific for the prelims. So that's nine fights altogether. We'll be with you. The fights at 8 and 5 are four fights that are free, if you'll recall, on ESPN. Usually those lead into the pay-per-view. So watch along with us. Now, when it comes down to time to the pay-per-view, a lot of you just prefer not to make that purchase. And sometimes you go to play-by-play or Twitter refresh or whatever. Tune into this. Tune into this, as we'll tell you. We'll be watching it. We get paid to watch this. So, in other words, they pay for the pay-per-view. We're in the same boat as you. We may we may not have even gotten this one, honestly, if, if we didn't have to do the job. But as we watch the action unfold, we will relay it to you in real time. It's fun. We have a chat room. We have a Twitter thread going. And uh, goes adds a lot of bells and whistles, like fighter breakdowns from some of the noted journalists on Junkie. Or even other fighters, guest fighters that come in and do some breakdowns. So it's really, really a good time. Join us again on Saturday. Just go to MMA Junkie on Saturday and you'll see the link to our watch along. 10 Eastern, 7 Pacific for the pay-per-view. 8 Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific for the beginning of the watch along. And at 5 p.m. Pacific, two, uh, 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, there's a one-hour preview show with Fada Hanun from our website. She will be breaking down the card. 
especially the big fights. So on Saturday, keep it locked on MMA Junkie. Any final thoughts goes on the way out? Now, just uh, thanks to everybody that's kind of asked how I'm doing, you know, with the procedure and and stuck by the show and everything that we've been doing, or even our Triple G show on the side. Uh, the support is always amazing. And shout, shout out to a, a good friend, a good listener of the show, Mark Fellows, who is uh, going through some stuff right now. But uh hope you get better, buddy. Yeah, I like that guy. Whatever it is you're going through, Mark, I'm sorry to hear, and I hope you overcome. And, uh, yeah, keep you in my thoughts. All right, folks, go out and be a champion. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll see you Saturday. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.